Welcome to Your Pursuit of Happiness, the podcast for people working in the Irish fintech and financial services industry. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our show. We have something really special for you today. We're talking with Sarah Johnson of briefcasecoach.com. Sarah helps high performers land amazing jobs thanks to her service as an interview coach, executive resume writer, LinkedIn branding expert and career coach. Here she is. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. No, no worries at all. Sarah, I'm just going to kick it off if you don't mind. Would you tell us a little bit about your background and and what you do? Of course. I am a former corporate recruiter. I have recruited across all industries, um, specifically healthcare and financial services. And I made a career pivot two and a half years ago and started my own job search coaching business where my tagline is, I help high achievers land jobs that they really like. And so work with high achieving professionals across different industries, position themselves and present themselves well on paper and in branding documents so that they can land the jobs that they really want. In terms of, of the type of people that you help, you mentioned high achievers and you mentioned, you know, it's, it's all about kind of landing that job. What, what is a high achiever? How, how do you kind of define that? And at what stage do you help them, Sarah? Is it when they know what they want to do or is there the kind of work before that? Yeah, I work with people who know what they want and who just need help getting from point A to point B. I define a high achiever as someone who is looking to take their career up to the next level. And so that could be someone who is a new graduate wanting to position themselves for career success long term, or that could be an executive who is um, looking for their next big executive landings. I do work with a wide range of professionals, but the theme is people who are looking for that next step up. Great. And in terms of the, the kind of very start, I suppose, I mean, if, if you're talking about a high achiever wanting to make the next step up or, or a graduate looking to position themselves for longer term, you know, career success, a lot of the things that we would see day to day with candidates that we deal with is that they're, you know, maybe a bit stuck in a rut or looking for a new role for, for other reasons. Is there any advice you'd, you'd give to people who are maybe in that situation, who don't really know what the next step is, but they know they want to make a change? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the first step before you can start applying for jobs online or having conversations with people is to get crystal clear on what you want to do and what strengths and differentiators you bring to the table. Without knowing where you want to go, it's hard for people to help you and get behind you and make introductions for you. And part of having a successful job search is having a strategy and target companies and leveraging the network that you have. So you have to give people a starting place to be able to help you. Yeah, and actually, we, we did a podcast ourselves recently enough, and it was around, you know, what, what you do before you actually start applying for jobs. And it's, for us, it was take the time out to have a proper think about where you want to go and where you want to end up. And that, that's really where you need to start your search, you know, rather than just going on a jobs board and try to find something that matches and hope for the best. It's that kind of strategic thinking. I 100% agree with you. I think the research phase of a job search is often so overlooked and undervalued, but it's the most important part of the job search strategy, in my opinion. And so taking the time to really research your options, what are the, who are the companies that hire people like you? Who are the decision makers of those companies? Where do your skill sets align and how can you meet the pain points of those jobs? I mean, you could spend 
I mean, 60% of your time researching. Um, and, and I think that that would be very valuable time before just jumping on to the ATS systems and applying for jobs that maybe not aren't a good fit for you. Yeah, great. That makes sense. So Sarah, for candidates who have, they have their CV uh, prepared, they have, um, they've applied for the right roles for them and they're getting called for interviews. What's the next step for them? They are getting interviews. Yeah, exactly. I think you go back to your research and you look at the company and you make sure that you go and look at all the blog posts that the company has been on social media or online to the type of company culture that they have. Look at your network. See if you know anybody that works there or anybody who knows someone that works in that company and see if you can get some intel on that company or the person that you're interviewing with. Um, if you have a former colleague who knows the person that you're interviewing with, it would be helpful to know if that person is an analytical person. Then you can take your answers and really focus them around that would appeal to the way that they think and the way that they ask questions. So leveraging your network there could be really helpful. And then also doing research to find out more about the person interviewing you so that you can make meaningful small talk. Part of a successful interview, as you know, is being able to engage with the person that you're interviewing with on a real level and having meaningful back and forth conversation. You wanna be able to assess them and them to be able to assess you. And so knowing about the people that you're interviewing with will help you make more of a meaningful connection. Yeah, I agree. It's It really comes back to preparation, preparing properly for, for an interview and being able to build rapport with your interviewers, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. In terms of doing that prep, one of the questions I'm often asked by people is, should I look at people on LinkedIn because they'll know I've looked at them before and is it a bit stalkery almost or you know if I've met someone who I knew should I bring it up at interview people are never kind of sure about that my, my kind of take is always that if I'm a hiring manager and I'm, I'm sitting there and you know you're demonstrating clearly that you've taken the time to talk to people that may be able to help you prepare I, I'd always see it as a good thing just wonder what your thoughts are on that I agree with you. I think people in this day and age assume that you're going to go and Google them and look at their LinkedIn page before you meet with them. I heard um, William Aruda recently speak at a Career Thought Leader International Conference, and he said that first impressions are now formed online before they're formed in person. So I think most people would view you as being underprepared if you didn't go into a meeting and know some simple things about them. So absolutely go on LinkedIn, find out as much as you can about their background before going to the meeting so that you can have meaningful small talk. And it's all about the way that you present that you looked them up online. Um, you wouldn't say, well, I stalked you on the internet and found out this about you. You know, that would go over really awkwardly, but yeah. it would be very perfectly appropriate to say, you know, as I was preparing for this meeting, I noticed that you attended, you know, blank university and then make a, ask a meaningful question or make some small talk around the fact that they went to this university in this town. And, you know, did they watch this sporting event while they were in this town? Something like that could help you build rapport really easily. Yeah, 100% agree. Awkward question people find find hard is the tell me about yourself question. <laughs> um, how would you advise people to prepare for that? I love this question and I help a lot of people prepare for interviews. And I teach a formula called passion, past, present, with them. And I'll break that down. So I think it's important that you start with a hook. People resonate well with stories. 
and they um, like to connect with you. So give them a little glimmer of your past in two sentences that can hook them into why you're passionate about this subject. And that can be something like um, why you chose to go into this field or the moment that you knew you were made for this career or one of your career highlights that really demonstrates exemplary behavior. So start with a passion and then briefly describe your past and make sure that you're picking relevant work history that um, addresses some of the pain points of a job description. You don't want to go all the way back to your first job in college when you were working at the cafeteria. Maybe you just select two or three highlights from your past work experience that, that complements the job that you're interviewing for. Then hit on what you're doing in the present, um, what role you're currently in, and the value that you're bringing to the organization. And then finally wrap up the answer with with them and with them is a sales term that you you may know what's in it for me and that's what the person interviewing you is thinking like why would this person want this job and so you um, could say something like you know i love my current role right now i'm doing x y and z but when i got the call to interview for this position this role really resonated with me because it would allow me to do more of X, Y, and Z strategy or, or whatever about the role is appealing. To let them know that you see yourself in this role, that you're excited about this position, and it offers something that you're not getting currently in your job. So passion, past, present, with them is my formula. And it's important that you make sure your answer is concise and no more than two minutes long. Ideally, 90 seconds would be great. Yeah, I, I was just going to ask you about that. My advice is always similar to candidates. It's kind of you give them enough to let them ask questions and almost direct the conversation without rambling on about the ins and outs of your of your day to day. Absolutely. Give them the highlights and let them ask you questions from for more information later on in the interview. You just want to tease them a little bit so that their their interest is peaked and right off the get go, they can see why you're a good fit for this role because you've maybe addressed a couple of pain points in the job description. One of the other things that kind of often comes up, particularly with, I find particularly with more senior people who maybe haven't interviewed in a while or, you know, it's only really been internal interviews. A, preparation helps, but nerves are, are always going to be a factor. Any advice for people to get over nerves or to get in the zone outside of just doing your preparation? Well, as you hit on, preparation is absolutely key. I also think it's, it's helpful to write out maybe 15 to 20 different scenarios where you've exhibited positive behaviors. And writing things out can be really helpful in helping you practice and memorize. And so think about opportunities where you demonstrated positive leadership skills, customer service, you've, you've managed effectively, you've come up with creative solutions to problems. And think of those types of stories so that no matter what question you're asked, you have a story that you've already pre-thought out that you can bring up and bring to the table. The other thing is, is just knowing your resume really well and being able to talk about the results that you have had over your career that you bring to the table. At the high level, at the senior level, people resonate with results and being able to express those in an interview is helpful. And finally, I think before you go into the interview, whatever you do, you need to give yourself some time to decompress. 
and know that you've done an enormous amount of preparation to get to that point. And then the hour before you go into the interview, maybe you do yoga, maybe you sit and listen to your favorite music in the car with a cup of coffee, whatever it is, do something to decompress so you're not just overly anxious about it in the car ride on the way over. Yeah, and actually just wanted to pick up on one of the points that you made uh, around being able to demonstrate success. So having, you know, tangible things that you can point to or I love the question, you know, what was your biggest achievement in your current role? Um, something tangible, something that you can kind of hang your hang your hat on almost, uh, but it needs to be relevant to the role that you're interviewing for as well, I think. Oh, absolutely. I found that with senior executives, um, with the, situ- the, the star question, situation, action, result questions, they love to talk about the actions that they took and all the work that they did, but they often forget to talk about the results and the results are the most important part of the story. And so just remembering to take the time to quantify your results and, and share those achievements is important. Great. Thanks very much for that, Sarah. And I suppose then when we post-interview, when the outcome is the, the candidate is unsuccessful, what's your advice to people who may feel really disheartened after being unsuccessful, after going through three rounds of interviews, for example? What advice would you have for them? Oh, gosh, that's such a bummer when that happens, when you really get excited about a role and that hurts. So I think you have to take a couple of days and process it. But also, it's important that you don't put all your eggs in one basket. Even if you feel like things are going so well and you're in the final stages of an interview, you really never know. It's never final until it's final. And so maintaining high activity in your job search throughout the entire process until you have an offer is essential. The goal or the ideal situation would be to arrive at a place where you've got multiple offers at once. And so in order for that to happen, you've got to have a lot of balls in the air and make sure that you're um, having lots of conversations with decision makers so that you can arrive at that point. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a funny one, I suppose. We'd give maybe slightly different advice, and I suppose it depends on the level. Um, and Ireland is, is a smaller, smaller pool than the States. So, you know, if you're looking for a role in asset management, for example, in Dublin, there isn't going to be a massive amount of places. So that key role may just come up once or twice a year. So it, it can be harder. And I think candidates sometimes are more invested in it because it's a role that they really want and they know it's tough to get, you know, but take your point around having, having a few different things going on. Sure. What, what advice do you typically tell people in Ireland who, are, who find themselves in that situation? But I think it, it depends on the level. So I think for more junior candidates, we always advise them to be very selective um, and not have too many applications out. Because I think one thing that we've noticed is people get excited around the kind of job search and they start applying to loads of places and then all of a sudden start getting all these interviews and realize, you know, God, I need to take time off to get these done. And there's actually practical blocks that come up that they haven't necessarily considered. But I think for people um, who are going for interview, um, uh, I suppose it's, it's for us, it's to help them understand that they need to do as much prep as possible. They need to give themselves as much opportunity to land that job as possible. But the reality is there is only one job going uh, and there's, there's going to be two or three people who you're competing against. So, you know, to take the positives from us, to get the feedback and work on that and to, you know, really take the positives from the, the process, whether it's successful or, or not. It's a good advice. Any other general advice you'd give to job seekers? 
I think my my biggest piece of advice that I would share with a job seeker is to don't discount conversations, networking conversations. Um, when people tell me that they're struggling in their job search, the first question I always ask is, so tell me, how are your in-person networking meetings going? I find that when people are struggling in their job search, it's often because they're completely focused on an online job search. 70 to 80% of people find their jobs through networking. And specifically, if I want to break it down even further, executives and women are more likely to find a job based uh, through their own personal network. And so having conversations with people that you know really well in your personal network, but also not discounting um, the distant connections that you have, because those can be very effective as well. Yeah, agree 100%. Uh, and actually, I think I always thought it was just Ireland, but often the advice I give to people is have the chat with someone. And very often it's not that person, it's the person that they know or the person that they know they know who all of a sudden they hear about an opportunity that hasn't been advertised is not available in the market at all. And if an employer can get a good recommendation from someone that they trust, they'll go through a process really quick and make a hire really quick. So yeah, use that network is, is massively important, I think. 100% agree with you there. I'm working right now with an entry-level job seeker who wants one of the hardest jobs that you can land in the U.S. She wants to do fashion marketing, and she has no network, and it's in, 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 in New York City. And so she's basically set out on a path to have conversations with people, and she's really put in a lot of time and energy into having these conversations in person. And she's found that the people that she knows have been able to introduce her to people that they know who've been able to introduce her to people at her target companies. And she now has five interviews with people at really high-end, wonderful fashion companies in New York. And this all happened within a short period of time because she really focused on leveraging the network that she has and the connections that her network has. Yeah, and actually something in that just resonates with me, um, something I, I kind of heard recently enough. Uh, there, there is kind of hard work that, that needs to go into a job search and you need to be, if, if you have an idea of what you want to do, it may be a little bit of work before you get there. But I think sometimes in a job search, people don't give it the time and energy and, and stuff that, that it should take. Because at the end of the day, this is a long-term career. You know, you, you should be putting time into it and really thinking about what you want and leveraging those connections and doing all the interview prep and everything else. Oh, 100%. If you are in active job search mode, you should be treating your job search like your own sales CRM process. You should have a spreadsheet and you're tracking conversations. You're identifying target companies that you want to work for and figuring out who decision makers are at those target companies and tracking emails that you're sending and connections who could possibly make introductions to those connections, just like you would if you were in sales. Now, if you're in a passive job search, if you're happy in your current job, thinking that you want to start looking for something new in a couple of years, I think it's a great idea to identify companies who hire people like you in your area and figure out who the hiring manager is or who you would report to if you got your dream job at that company and, and just maybe make a list. And over the next six months, try to find ways to connect with the people on that list informally. Maybe you're at a networking meeting. Maybe you're at an industry conference. Maybe you run into them, you know, at while you're getting your, your CREs, wherever, but just try to stand out, introduce yourself, make contact with them because you never know when you're going to need to leverage that connection. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I suppose then on the, on technology, the world we live in right now has changed so much from how we communicate with each other and how we work. Do you foresee any changes in, in the hiring and interview processes down the line as a result of technology or, or anything else? Yes. In the States, many companies are moving towards having video interviews as the first place for first stage of an interview where you're not even meeting with an in-person someone in person you're doing it completely online and artificial intelligence is measuring you against certain key qualities to determine if you should get the second stage of an interview we've seen applicant tracking systems become even more important some even now have surveys that you have to complete before you can get interviewed that assess how you are and how you work based upon the people that work in this certain department. I think you're going to see more and more of that as artificial intelligence and machine learning gets improves. The one thing that I will add though, at, we're going to see more and more of this, but there's going to still be value on the in-person face-to-face networking. One of my all-time favorite books is Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People, and it was written in the 1930s. I think the message in his books are going to be even more important in this really digital age because people are forgetting how to make small talk and engage with others and write thank you notes and do the, the small touches that help you stand out. And so if you can take old school methods and apply them to the modern age, you're going to stand out as a candidate. Yeah, uh, really, really interesting for us, I suppose, uh, as as agency recruiters, you're constantly hearing about AI and machine learning and algorithms that scan CVs and, uh, and everything else. Whereas for us, I suppose, in our business, we're all about, you know, real intelligence as opposed to artificial intelligence and uh, do, doing all of that. Um, so re- really interesting and um, very hard to disagree with anything you said. And just on that, how do you see the role of recruiters in the market? And I'm conscious it may be different in the U.S. than it is here, but just interested in your take on it. I see recruiters in the U.S. being responsible for more and more recs or positions every year. When I first started recruiting 15 years ago in my first corporate recruiting job, I was only managing seven or eight positions at a time. The average recruiter in the United States, from what I've seen, has anywhere between 30 and 60 jobs that they're trying to fill at any time. Now, their their job has changed a lot because of applicant tracking systems and the way that people apply for jobs. When I first started recruiting, you know, we had filing cabinets of resumes. So things have changed a lot, but an average corporate recruiter is going to have more and more recs to fill, pushing paper, and less human-to-human contact. I think from the executive recruiting perspective, I don't know that a lot is going to change. There's still going to be tremendous value in recruiters who are able to source and find executive client or executive talent or talent that fills niche roles. And so people who know how to do Boolean searches, who know how to manage and leverage technology, but also people who have built strong personal brands and have large networks that they can tap into to find candidates quickly those are those are executive recruiters who are going to stand out yeah again couldn't agree more it's all about the the relationship and your network and your ability to attract and all of that is massive for us funny when you say about you know 30 to 60 jobs i i did a couple of years in 
in-house recruitment or corporate recruitment. And I think at one stage I had upwards of 80 roles and there's just no way you can manage 80 roles. It's just not possible. And actually, I think it was that experience that led us to work on, on a lower volume than we, or than our competitors, I think typically would. So we're kind of five roles max is good for us. So we have the time to work your network, do the searches you talked about, attract people, have the conversations, et cetera. So yeah, really important for us. Absolutely. Sarah, thank you so much. You've really given us incredible insights. If people want to learn more uh, from you or, or just get in touch, what's the best way they can do it? My website, www.briefcasecoach.com is a great first step. I also am on LinkedIn and I try to post a daily job search tip every business day. And so I'd recommend following me there as well. Thanks a million, Sarah. Really appreciate all the insights and, and your time. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on Your Pursuit of Happiness the podcast for people working in the Irish fintech and financial services industry. For show notes and other goodies, go to www.toptierrecruitment.com forward slash podcast. That's toptierrecruitment.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and feel free to rate and review the show. We appreciate your support. See you next time.